0: Well, good morning, Church. Last week we talked again about uh, finding the faith of Christmas and uh, compared Zechariah's response of of faith with with Mary's actually his maybe his lack of of faith in that in that moment and and the sort of the maybe the punishment of being mute until the birth of his son John the Baptist in in Luke one. But I don't want you to get the wrong idea about Zechariah. He did he did come around. And um, as we begin this morning, I want us to go to the Lord in prayer. And I would like us to pray in response to Zechariah's words of praise at the end of Luke 1. So would you pray with me? Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. God, we praise you and thank you. You alone are God. God, what a privilege it is even to gather together this morning and to worship you and to know of the tremendous gift of your Son that you have sent to redeem a people. God, we thank you. Now we all have been saved from our enemies and all from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. Help us, Father, as your children now to to tell people how to find the salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Because of your great and tender mercy, the morning light of heaven has come. Jesus the Christ to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Father in heaven, please forgive our sins this morning, those sins we have committed whether by distraction, being too preoccupied by the stuff of earth, or out of outright rebellion against the truth of your word. Forgive us when we see ourselves in the mirror of your perfect word and walk away unrepentant and unchanged. God, we pray with those who are hurting this week, whether our pain be physical, as we struggle against bodies that are dying daily, or the pain of our sin, shame, sadness, disappointment, anxiousness, or of the broken relationships, the pain of living as broken people in a broken world. God, we know that it is in you and through you alone that we have life and hope. That you are completely sufficient for all that we need. You are alone the God of all comfort. You are the God who restores. You are the God that we come to, not just in our pain, but also to seek forgiveness for our sins. God, we thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you that we alone find forgiveness and restoration in you and in you alone. God, we pray for wisdom, wisdom for a new day and for a new week. We pray that you would guide us by the truth of your word and the power of your spirit to to be people of peace who would reflect the gospel in all that we say and all that we do. God, we pray that your kingdom would reign here on earth as it is in heaven. That we would want what you do in every area of our lives. That we would help to make your glory known in every interaction that we have. God, we pray that you would help us to be people of the light. To be people reflecting your light in what often feels like an overwhelming world of darkness. God, you alone are the path of peace. You alone are the true light that has come into the world to give true light. Help us to reflect that light, not only to a watching world around us, but also in our very hearts and minds as well. God, we so desperately need you. We need you for life and breath. We need you for hope and peace. God, you alone are our greatest need. God, we pray today that you would be honored and glorified in all that we do and say. In your heavenly name, amen. Do you, I even hate to ask this question. Maybe I already know the answer. Do you have a, an if-then kind of joy? Some of you grammar nerds, what I'm talking about. Some of you people who love these conditional phrases and things kind of know that, that we have these if-then statements. If this is true, then, then this is true. If this isn't true, then, then this isn't true. And it's interesting when I think about finding the joy of Christmas, do you find yourself in one of those if-then kind of situations? Maybe you don't, Maybe you don't say that out loud. Maybe it's not something you've actually thought about. But do you feel like, well, we're going to have a Merry Christmas if. If I can find cherry kringles, right? Have you ever had a cherry kringle? Is that just me? If I can find one of those, it'll be a Merry Christmas. If when my siblings all get together, they don't fight, we'll have a Merry Christmas. If I get the Red Rider BB gun with the compass in the stock, right? It will be a Merry Christmas. Sometimes we don't necessarily say that out loud, but we do, we do feel like we have this conditional sense of joy, this conditional sense that, that the, the only way that we'll have true joy is if, well, we get what we long for and what we ask for and what, what we hope for. But, but what I want us to see this morning, as we begin to unpack really what joy is, especially what the Bible teaches us about joy, what we look at God's Word to understand the true joy is, we're going to find this morning that, that true joy is only found in the good news of Jesus Christ. True joy is only found through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you would, turn with me to 1 Peter. I want to look at a passage that I think really demonstrates this kind of joy for us. It, it points to us the kind of joy that we, that we want to reflect at Christmas, the joy that we look forward to specifically at Christmas. It's interesting if you had a chance to look at that little book we passed around a little bit a couple of weeks ago, The Four Emotions of Christmas by Bob Levine, talking about those, that, that this season often is one where we talk about things like hope, peace and joy, often what our Advent themes typically are. But in reality, we all struggle with often that sense of disappointment and stress and, and sadness. And, and one of the things that he mentions in that little book is joy. Joy is built into Christmas like no other time. Uh, we say Merry Christmas. We don't often say Merry any other holidays. We often don't say Merry Groundhog Day or Merry Fourth of July. That those, those just don't sound the same as, as Merry Christmas. So there's a sense where we're trying to really capture the sense of merriment and joy that really, really we only recognize at, at Christmas. First Peter, I think is a wonderful place for us to look, and, and, and stay with me here, because 1 Peter was written to a group of people who were uh, who were struggling. Uh, they were suffering under outside pressures. They were feeling somewhat scattered and isolated, and as I mentioned, they were struggling often with their own sinful desires. But even through all of that, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5.12 why he wrote, He said, my purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing is truly a part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in the grace. That's why he wrote this letter to these people who were struggling with their sinful desires. They felt scattered. They felt isolated. They were struggling under suffering from outside pressures. And he wrote to encourage them in grace. So let's look together. Beginning in verse 3, I want us just to look at verses 3 through 9 as we think about 1 Peter together. And I want you to listen for some of our our Advent themes. If you've been with us for the past couple weeks, you know we've talked about the hope, the the living hope that we celebrate at Christmas. This translation, as I'm going to read in verse 3, talks about the great expectation, living with great expectation. That's the, the living hope that we've been talking about. Verse seven talks to us about a, a genuine faith as we talked about a faith last week. And today, as we think of joy, I want you to notice specifically in verse 8 the inexpressible joy that gets described for us here. So with me, in beginning in 1 Peter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation, the living hope. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith... God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. Some of your translations say, This brings you great joy. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold through your faith, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him, though you do not see him now you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls i want us to look at this christmas joy a little bit today i want us to look at the joy that that christ brings the joy that we celebrate the the reason we have a sense of merriment as we think about the Christmas season from this particular passage. And the first thing I want us to see, first and foremost, that the joy of Christmas is the joy of salvation. The joy of Christmas that we're celebrating is the joy of the salvation that we have through Christ. Look at how Verses three through six really unpack this good news. They they unpack the gospel, the joy that 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 he brings. They, these verses explain the salvation and connect it to this joy. It talks about how God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, by His great mercy, that we have been born again. Thinking back to 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 the Gospel of John, thinking about in John three what it means to be born again, born from above. He then talks about the. The resurrection, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The reality of the salvation that we have is in Christ and in his resurrection. tells us it's our living hope, this great expectation, this inheritance. Verse 5 even reminds us of the good news of the gospel, that it's that's through faith that we receive this good news. We talked a little bit about this last week. It's by God's grace, but we receive it through the gift of faith. And as we receive it, God protects it by His power until the day that we fully receive it. It's, it's a, and it's an unpacking of all the aspects of the good news about Jesus. It's, it's by His grace. It's through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It's, it's recognized in what He did on the cross for us and, and how God raised Him from the dead. This is the full picture of the good news of Jesus Christ right here in an opening greeting to some people who are struggling. Who are suffering and who are feeling all isolated and alone? But I want you to notice the the connecting word in verse six. Connecting words are, are great in scripture. They they point to things. Either you know, maybe you've heard people talk about the word therefore. You go back and see what it's therefore. Well, there are more connecting words in scriptures than there's just therefore. And and the word this in verse six. Or the word so in some of your translations in verse, drawing us back to everything that we just read. Then verse 6 begins, So be truly glad. Thinking through the picture of the salvation that comes through Christ alone, by faith alone, by his grace alone, this is the source and origin of the believer's joy. This allows us to have joy beyond any of our circumstances, any of our difficulties, anything that might come our way, that salvation through Christ is this so we would find joy in, in this life, so that we would find joy in this season, so we would find joy in the face of difficult circumstances. Even thinking about the words Mary again, uh, thinking of the the Christmas song we often sing, God rest you merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Again, a picture of what Christ has done for us through His death, burial, and resurrection to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. Then the refrainal oh, tidings of comfort and Joy. Tidings of comfort and joy. For the follower of Jesus, the source of the joy that we have in this life is salvation. It is salvation in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's what these verses 3 through 6 are unpacking for us, and that those connecting words in verse 6 are drawing us to that there is no joy apart from knowing the salvation that Jesus Christ brings. Everything else is temporary. Everything else is conditional. The only true joy we have is the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. But there's good news with this salvation, that not only is this the joy that we receive from God, but it's also an enabling joy. If you look with me, that this next second thing I want you to see is another one of these transition words. Look, at, look in 6. In verse 6 it says there's wonderful joy ahead, and then we have one of these connecting words we might not like as well. It's the even though. Even though kind of sets us up for, uh-oh, here, here comes maybe some more challenging news to think of. We have joy ahead. It is only in knowing Jesus Christ and the gospel But now we have a transition that says, even though, and it, and Peter's telling this group of struggling folks that even though you must endure many trials for a little while. I wish it said many, like M-I-N-I, but it doesn't say that. I would prefer if it said many, we have little bitty trials, it doesn't say that, it says many, like several trials. But... What I think Peter wants his hearers to hear and what I would want us to hear too as we think about the kind of joy at Christmas, that this Christmas joy, the joy is greater than our struggles. The greater, the joy is greater than our circumstances. The joy is greater than our our situation. Again, thinking about how the people were struggling that he was writing this letter to to tell them that what they're experiencing right now the joy that comes from God is far greater than any of those struggles. Whether they be many or many, his joy is far greater. He, he unpacks it in some neat ways. He talks about how they're, they're temporary for a little while. And as you and I who like things that are temporary, we hope they're a little less wild than they are wild. But, but we struggle with that, that they're, they're temporary. And, and then he says some things that are a little more challenging for us to think through, yet when we look at the totality of Scripture, we know that they're true. We know they're true in other people's lives. We just don't like to experience them in our own lives. And that's this picture of them being necessary and strengthening. He tells them that the, the difficulties and struggles that they're going through, they're temporary, but they're also necessary and strengthen it, he compares it to the picture of the purification of gold. And then he says, hey, you know what, though? Your faith is worth far more than gold. The faith in Christ, the joy that comes from it, is far more than gold. But I want you to understand how gold is processed. It's, it's heated. It's, it's refined in such a way that the impurities are removed. And, and what Peter wants his readers to understand and, and you and I to hear is as much as we would like to avoid these struggles, that as much as we would like to avoid these trials, that, that the joy that is so much greater that comes from Christ allows us to endure those trials. It, it it's an enabling joy that helps us through those trials and helps us to see that while they are Temporary, while we're longing for something else, they are necessary and strengthening in increasing our faith and dependence on Christ and on Christ alone. Sometimes it's those trials and struggles that point to all of the things that you and I sometimes either willingly or sometimes unwillingly put our faith and trust in that we shouldn't put our faith and trust in. Sometimes when those things are removed in trials, it's that refining process that shows us we had no business putting ourselves in putting ourselves putting anyone or anything in the place of of God those things are removed those things are are sifted out through this purifying process then look in 7 so when your faith remains strong through many trials when it's when it's been through this enduring, necessary, temporary, strengthening process, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Paul told the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians four sixteen to 18 that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirit are being renewed every day. Though for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Boy, that's good news. In eighteen Second Corinthians 4.18, it says, So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Over in Romans 8.18, he said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. This is the joy that we celebrate at Christmas the joy that equips us to show us that this coming joy, the coming of Christ, the gift of salvation, this joy that we celebrate at Christmas is the kind of joy that enables us to live through difficulty, through suffering, through sadness, through disappointment. It's the kind of joy that calls us to, to recognize who Jesus is and all he has done and to long for the day of his appearing moves us beyond our circumstances. And I think sometimes I, I I can make the mistake of just thinking about this joy as the far-off joy. Uh, I think I can make I, I can sometimes have the grin and bear it joy. Do you know what the grin and bear it joy, is that a phrase that you're familiar with? We're just gonna white knuckle our way through this. We're just gonna we're just gonna grip it real hard and make the best of a horrible situation and try to suffer on through, that's not that's not the picture Peter gives them here. He gives them one of inexpressible joy. How how possibly does does he do that? How does he how does he move them from this white knuckle grin and bear it sort of suffering to get through and the long for hope? Now there is a hope that we're longing for, but in verses eight and nine, he links that joy to them right here and right now. He says you love him, though you have not seen him, though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. When? Now. Because of the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, because of the gift of the gospel in salvation, you and I have an opportunity not only to long for future joy, But to know the very joy of Christ now. Though you have not seen him now, though you you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Proverbs 13.12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. I do think sometimes we focus so much on the far off joy, we forget that there is a joy to knowing and loving God now. There is a joy, there is a joy of our expectation of the glory of God. We've said before when we've gathered together, we long for the day when sin is removed from this world and our lives, and we are united with God in heaven forever in perfect relationship. We long for that day. But as we read through Scripture, we are always reminded that that doesn't mean we should live misery and miserably right now. We're called to follow Christ with a sense of joy in the here and now, even though we long for the day of the greater joy. We are called to live out this inexpressible joy now, that following Him is joyful being obedient to him is joyful knowing the salvation that comes from him alone brings joy now not far off not next but following the god of the universe brings us joy now have you ever have you ever been in one of these inexpressible joy times i know sometimes Inexpressible sometimes gets linked with other words like grief. sometimes there's just times we're over so overwhelmed with grief it's just inexpressible for us but i gotta i gotta tell you i I know we don't know each other that well. I've just been hanging around here a few months now i I am prone to dust and allergies uh, i I am prone to to um, uh occasionally allowing the dust of a room to overtake me to the point where I, I might start to tear up a little bit. But it's usually not out of a sense of grief, but it's over a sense of really thinking about the joy that comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remember one time I was talking to a man about how he became a follower of Jesus. And and I'm waiting for some wonderful story about how influential this pastor was or how influential this teacher was or how influential this study was in his life, bringing him into a full knowledge and love of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the man began to explain to me, I'm even having a hard time thinking about it. It's dusty in here. he started talking about a guy who drove a bus named Huey. How Huey would drive the bus and pick up the kids and, and take him to church every Sunday. And how Huey would, would come and, and love him and care for him and guide him. I remember thinking, it's Huey. As much as we think the glory of God looks like people on platforms or people who write books or or whoever, that the joy of salvation was brought to this man by Huey, the guy who drove the bus faithfully every week. For some reason in that moment, I, I couldn't even talk. I was overwhelmed with an inexpressible joy that the God of the universe, who brought salvation through Jesus Christ, he shares that gospel through Huey the Buster. The inexpressible joy of seeing how God works, remembering how God has worked in your life. Maybe that is what I would like to ask you to do today. To consider how God has worked in your life through folks like Huey the Bus Driver, who loved you and guided you and to help bring you to an understanding, an appreciation, a a saving knowledge of salvation. That's that's where the joy comes from. That's why we use the word joy all the time at Christmas. That's why we say things like Merry Christmas. It's it's not this conditional sense of happiness that things are going to go our way this week. It's a sense of joy that's rooted only in what Christ has done. If you're a follower of Christ, you have every reason to be joyful. Even though we know that there are times where we are overwhelmed with the sadness and the grief and the struggles of living in a world that's not perfect or fair. But through those, God's Word, His Spirit, and His people minister to us in such an incredible way, we are able to know this true joy. This joy of the Gospel, this joy of salvation, this joy that is far greater than any of our struggles. And it's not something that's an off in a distance sort of joy. It is the joy of the here and now. I would ask that, that if you if you have put your faith in Christ, I'd like you to do a inventory. I'd like you to think back. Maybe you are going to come up with people and books and situations, but I would like you to do a a joy inventory as you prepare for Christmas this year. This 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 day moving forward to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day when we're going to talk about finding the peace of Christmas. I'd love you to do a joy inventory. And think about the people that God has used in your life, the ways that he has guided you, the the situations that, uh, that we can no longer dismiss as just being circumstantial, but ways that God brought you to himself, difficulties that God brought you through, and ways that he has called you to live out true joy now. We of all people, as those who have received salvation by grace alone through faith alone, we of all people should be people of joy. That doesn't mean we we go around pretending to be happy all the time. That's not the same thing. People of joy know where their hope is, both here and here. And now, people of of joy know that their faith is genuine as it's been tested by fire. People of joy are often moved to glorious and expressible joy when they consider who God is and what he has done through salvation. If you have not yet put your faith in Christ, if you're still trusting in your own ability to be self-disciplined enough Or good enough, or righteous, or dare we say self-righteous enough, that you have not surrendered all of that and recognize that it is truly through Christ alone and through His salvation that any of us have any hope or any hope for joy. I would ask you to consider surrendering. I would ask you to consider Giving up, giving up the confidence in our own sin and brokenness and recognizing that this salvation that we celebrate at Christmas, the source of the merriment and the joy, is the only hope we have. I would ask you to put your faith in Christ, in what Christ has done alone. Not in ourselves, but in what Christ has done alone. For those of you who have put your faith in him, I pray that you will live in this joy, that you will live daily in the inexpressible joy that's greater than our struggles, that's not future and far off, but is in the here and now that comes to us by the gift of salvation. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. We are overwhelmed when we consider the goodness and glory Of salvation, what it means that you sent Christ to redeem to redeem us, to pay the penalty of our sin, to rescue us from the slavery to our sin. And in through Christ alone that we might have life as demonstrated through his death, burial, and resurrection. God, it is the only hope we have and the source of our daily joy. God, I pray that even in the most difficult trials that each of us might be asked to go through, that we would find your joy overwhelmingly sufficient. We would find the joy that we find in you as a way to, to strengthen our reliance, our dependence, our trust. God, please don't ever allow the trials and difficulties we experience to draw us away from you, to separate us from you, to become a wedge. God, I do pray that every single difficulty would draw us to you, our only true hope of joy. God, I pray as we look for the joy of Christmas, that we find it in the gospel of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. God, I pray with those who have not yet trusted you, that through your word and your spirit, through people and circumstances you put in your life, that you would continue to draw them to yourself and they would recognize you for who you truly are. They would stop trying to do their own thing their own way, but recognize true joy only comes from trusting in you completely as their Lord and Savior. And God, for those who know you and love you, who have trusted you, God, I pray that you would remind them daily that their life is not one of constant drudgery until you return or until you take them home. The life that you have called us to in the here and now is one of joy. For all you are and all you have done, help us to remember and to reflect and to to recognize the joy that comes from you and from you alone. God, you alone are our hope. We thank you for this day and for the privilege of worship. In your heavenly name, amen. I hope you have caught the...